This week on Book Pile Banter, we learn Amberly is short and Sarah has a fantastic car. Welcome to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim. Today we are going to be discussing the Dream Thieves. So the plot for the Dream Thieves is while continuing their search for the Welsh King Glendower, the Raven boys are faced with a new obstacle. Blue and Gansey are trying to ignore feelings developing between them. Adam is coming to terms with what it means to give himself over to the ley line, and Ronan must come to terms with his ability to bring objects out of his dreams. All the while, a new mystery, the Gray Man, is after the Gray Warren, and it puts him on a direct path with Blue's family. This is by Maggie Steve Vader, published in 2013 by Scholastic Press. And again, this is meant to be for ages 14 and up, grades 9 and up. So other than... We aren't sure how her name is said, because apparently that's a weird point. I will say, to start us off, that I liked this book better than the first one. Why, 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 why did you throw your hands in the air? It was just a motion of, of course, of course you would like this one more. I'm not so sure I did, but that makes sense, <laughs> since we apparently have different tastes in books. We do. Mostly, I like the fact that this one actually had, like, a continuous plot throughout. We get that the Gray Man is after the Gray Warren. We don't know what the Gray Warren is, but we have assumptions as to what it is. And we spend the entire book getting to the point where that is resolved. So no matter what else is going on, and there is so much going on, we at least have that nice line through it as to what the plot is that drives us from point A to point B, as opposed to meandering through the entire alphabet, like the first book does. I don't really see a difference in plot progression between the second book and the first book. I mean, if you just took the Gray Man storyline and, you know, exchanged it with Welks, it was kind of the same thing. You had a third party doing their own thing while the main characters are going through their own stories. So I don't really see a difference there. But he's. But again, you didn't realize Welk was evil, so... No, I didn't realize Welk was evil. It wasn't a driving force. At least with the Gray Man, he's an assassin. He clearly has an objective as to what he's getting. He is hunting down things. He attacks Declan, Ronan's brother. Like, there is action. While as with Welk, it was just like a mopey teacher who wasn't happy. It didn't scream, like, big bad. Although, ironically, of the two, the Gray Man ends up not being a... Big bad. <laughs> so can I ask a question? Yes. Is Welk in this book? No. Oh, no. He He's died done. in the last book. He got trampled <laughs> to death. That might have been nice to know at the end by of the some last dream, book. <laughs> by some dream <laughs> animals. <laughs> that was never mentioned in the last podcast. <laughs> we talked on this character for hours last podcast. Well, minutes. And uh, I didn't know he died. Well, you oh, know, yeah. Welk was not a driving factor. <laughs> okay, so let's let him go. I mean, he did gather all the characters to the ley line so that they could wake it up, but sure. <laughs> they still go. could have gotten there without that. In any case, this is the second book and Welk is dead now. So, <laughs> so we can discuss the Gray thing. Man. I thoroughly enjoy the Gray Man. I like him. I like the fact that he adds more to Blue's household. So his, so Mara, Mara, Mara. I'm not sure how her name is fed. M-A-U-R-A. Mora. She, okay. Yeah, I always say Mora in my Mora. Head. Okay. We know how well I am at that sort of thing. <laughs> yep. Um, so Mora is actually romantically interested in the gray man. 
and they kind of date, but she's very much aware of the fact that, you know, he's a problem because she's psychic. And I like that. Well, he gives. Yeah. He does also mention in their first meeting that he is a hitman. So there is that. Yes, but she plays him as much as he doesn't play her. He's very straightforward with her. And then she's the one tricking him and stealing his phone and stuff. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the fact that adults could be in a teen book and be adults with, you know, a life beyond their child. And it actually mattered to the story. But that doesn't happen in real life. No. No. It's not in my life. (laughs) You get no side stories. (laughs) No side stories for me. No. So, yeah, I, I liked having that as the the story i felt it was much more fleshed out than welk but sarah again, did you like the gray man oh yeah he's my favorite character really of even all? more so than ronan really? really i know that's gonna seem hypocritical after i said i didn't like assassin plot lines <laughs> but the thing is he's already an assassin there's no none of that stupid becoming an assassin arc and like gripping or grappling with the morality of being an assassin it's just it's his job and it's just something he compartmentalizes. He's cool. Well, I like him. For context, his passion is Old English. He used to teach Old English literature. So I like that about him. You know, making sure we give you all the details of a character since we failed to do so on the last <laughs> <laughs> last go around. So along with the Gray Man, I like Ronan more in this one. In fact, it has the best description of a character ever. I could not relate to something more in my life. Where was that? I love her descriptions. I, that's one of my favorite things about her writing is how she describes things and uses imagery in her books. I do too. And I like, it's maybe not my fir- favorite author who's done that, but I definitely do like how she goes about it. And I was going to use this as an example when she says, as a pale skin, dark hair, Celtic sort, he didn't care for the heat. That couldn't be more you. <laughs> if it and you. <laughs> I I was like, this character, I can, I can, I can, I can feel that, that struggle, particularly when one is supposed to be this, you know, kind of like badass, doesn't take crap kind of character and and heat, heat doesn't win. (laughs) I got to say as a writer, that's, that's somebody who's writing about somebody they know. You don't, you don't come up with that script description unless you, you actually know an Irish person and the fact that heat is enough to just absolutely destroy you. And if you're out in it, you'll burn to an absolute crisp. But everyone thinks you're going to turn brown because you have dark hair and dark eyes and and that's never going to happen. So yeah. That that character's based on a real person. (laughs) Um, So I enjoyed Ronan in this. I thought it was great development on Ronan. Although Kavinsky... Kavinsky. Is such a weird counterpoint that I've now read it twice and I'm, I'm still... Not sure what to think of him other than, which I appreciate the second time around, I caught it more. The fact that clearly both of them are gay and Kavinsky wants to be with Ronan. I did not catch that the first time, but the first time I was really confused by Kavinsky and what he was trying to get at. The second time I very much realized knowing where Ronan heads towards that we're getting that storyline, but it's being done so subtly. So it's not being pushed into your face, which just makes me like Ronan more. Yeah, Kavinsky is... Weird. I remember not liking him the first time I read the book. Like, I just felt like his whole arc was just, it was a little too fantastical. 
I know the whole book is about magic and everything. Ancient Welsh king trying to awaken one in the ley lines. But it just felt over the top, especially like the fairground stuff where he has all these cars and there's this big showdown between his dream dragon and the night terror. And it's just... It just felt a bit much, too exaggerated. Um, so I never liked Kavinsky's character for that. But yeah, I think the second time around, it was a little bit clear that Kavinsky is trying to lure Ronan away from the others to, you know, to be with him. Although that would be a really bad idea since he's oh. apparently killed people and replaced them with dream copies. That would have been a terrible romance. Yeah, I mean, normally I'm all for the friend or enemies to lovers, but that would have not would not have been good. No. Is Kavinsky older or is he a teen like the rest of them? He is uh, in the same grade as them, I think. Okay. Yeah, he, he's one of the Algin B boys as well. He's just not one of Blue's boys. Yeah, I I, I, I was afraid we were falling into a great gay trope storyline. And I'm just no. like, ew, 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 I'm done. No. <laughs> I don't want to know this. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's no, they're, they're the same age. They've known each other for a while. They're both... Both have money. Uh, both are able to pull things from their dreams. So they're kind of, well, yes. Does the dragon come out of the dream? Yeah. Oh, God, I want one. <laughs> oh. I want that ability. So it, even though they're kind of, there's a, an implication that Kavinsky has romantic intentions towards Ronan. Ronan, I don't think ever comes off as having romantic intentions towards Kavinsky, but Kavinsky has romantic romantic attention, intentions towards him, but they are mirrors of each other. It's almost like if Ronan did not have the love and the friendships that he had has in terms of family and friendships, that's where he could go. If he didn't have those tethers to kind of keep him back from going over the edge, if he went over the edge, that's what he would become is Kavinsky. And it's it's not something that he wants to become, thank goodness. Though he does ponder it because it's how he learns how to control his abilities. Yeah, he does seem kind of attract into it at first because the way he always likes to drag race with Kavinsky mm-hmm. and he's always kind of drawn to him, but not at the expense of his friends and his existing lifestyle. Yeah. And in this book, we get to see more of, of that is the fact that his mother is actually a dream being. His his mother was pulled from his father's because his father had the same ability. His father created his mother. So she's a dream being and their entire house or their property is full of dreaming devices, things that his father pulled from his dreams. And the boys, so Declan, Matthew and Ronan are brothers. They aren't allowed to go back to the property because it's all shut down basically as soon as their father was killed. And was killed by the gray man. They they weren't allowed to go back to the property because everything's still. Their mother isn't moving. She isn't interacting with anyone. She's just laying there. Well, their father wrote a will saying that if they went back, if they tried to go back, they'd lose all the money that they stood to inherit from him, which was like quite a few million dollars. Yeah. Well, until a new will can be discovered, which right. by the end of the book, it's that his father was giving him a loophole to create his own will in his dreams that replicated his father's will so that he could then actually access the property and they could take care of their mother because that's going to come up, I think, in the next book. I assume so, since in the, near the end of this book, they did take her into Cave's Water and she woke up. Yeah, so she, she goes to Cave's Water and actually wakes up because Cave's Water is a, a dream forest for it's on the ley line. Yeah, it's on the ley line for lack of better description for it. There's a lot of stuff on these ley lines. I mean, they intersect all over the globe. So, yes. Okay. <laughs> it's not like, you know, from the grocery store to... But they had to bring the, the, the Welsh guy 
the Welsh king or whatever over from Wells. Welsh. Wells. Wales. Oh, Wales. <laughs> to, to be in Virginia. So, you know. So he could still be on a ley line. Because there are ley lines in. I know. But they didn't want him, you know. <laughs> Don't I know me? Take me uh, too literally sometimes. I do. So once again, don't like Gansey, but I didn't particularly like Blue in this book either. Honestly, when I was reading it, I was like, you know, I don't actually like Gansey just doesn't inspire strong feelings in me either way. I don't dislike him. He's fine. He's a neutral character. And I feel like that's how I felt about him in the first book. But then when people start talking about him and listing his flaws, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy sucks. But then I was like, "Eh, you know, he's not a bad character. He's just different and he isn't as interesting not his fault Um, land and blue i like blue um although she was a little preoccupied with gancy in this one but can we address how creepy it is that she is in gancy's bed in the manufacturing building kissing Noah noah as a ghost while she is still technically dating adam in Gansey's bed. Well, I mean, he's a ghost and he's literally the only character she can kiss without killing for sure. So, and she she's just a teenager. On. So it's like, if this is literally her only chance to try and kiss someone, it it's weird, but it kind of makes sense. But why, why did it have to be in Gansey's bed? Because she was hanging out with Noah. Look, I don't know how they ended up there. <laughs> and, and... Uh, this is why I don't care for Blue in this book is we get the entire time is her obsessing about the fact that she really shouldn't be with Adam. She secretly wants to be with Gansey, but she can't admit to secretly being with wanting to be with Gansey while having the weird let's pretend moments and not addressing anything with Adam, just kind of leaving the poor guy who is going through some serious, oh, serious Jesus. roughness. I, I was like, you know what? I think I actually disliked Adam for most of this series, come to think of it, except for towards the end. Um, Because this book, I was like, oh, Adam might actually be my least favorite character. I might actually hate him. I certainly did not like him here. I didn't dislike him, but I mostly feel pity for him. Are you guys going to expand Dude's on got this? Some or are you problems. just going to talk about how you feel about him? He has him? <laughs> severe anger issues. He's angry at everyone in this book. He almost hits blue. He is just, you can't stand him. He's like blowing up at everyone. But to be fair, he came from a violent household and he can't just magically step away from that household and not have anger problems. And it's about him trying to come to terms with how to handle that anger. And he gets to the end of it and realizes he doesn't, that ignoring the anger doesn't handle the anger. And furthermore, he's still coming to terms with the weird connection he has with the ley line and this new responsibility that puts on him. And meanwhile, Blue is off fantasizing about Gansey while kissing Noah without actually talking to her. And all he wants to do is kiss her and be in a relationship with her because he thinks that's what they're doing. Uh, Truth be told, that was... Oh, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. No, it's okay. Truth be told. What were you going to say? Sorry, I forgot I had said truth be told. (laughs) That was one of the things that actually did annoy me about Blue is that her insistence on not telling Adam why she didn't want to kiss him it felt really forced like there's no logical reason other than to prolong the plot or like draw that out as a plot point so i was like girl come on this is dumb you you have no real reasoning here to just not tell him this because everything else you've talked about it's not like it's crazy there's ley lines there's sleeping welsh kings this one little facet of information is not going to make her sound like a crazy person or something there's just no justification yeah 
Which in the first book they try to do it as she did. They try to do that she didn't want to you know, scare him away with the whole "I kill my true love if I kiss him." But she's already coming to the conclusion. She is already coming to the conclusion that he's not her true love. So not telling him is just cruel. And I think that's why I can't hate Adam. It's because Gansey, his parents, Blue, they all make decisions for him. And they treat him without any autonomy. And it's all the poor guy wants is he just wants a sense of control because he spent his entire life not having control. The only one who treats him well, thank goodness, is Ronan. And I adore it. I adore it. I adore the subtle hints that Ronan is attracted to Adam. I just, I adore it. I want it. I wish they had fallen in faster, but we had to do this weird blue Adam thing. And honestly, if they had removed the whole blue Adam thing from the very beginning, I wouldn't have missed it. Yeah, I suppose. I don't think it brought much to the storyline. Even in the first than, book. Yeah, because honestly, if they hadn't done that, she could have just found his journal. because She picked it up from Pizza Brother, and that could have been her connection to them right there without having to go through the Adam stuff. And they went to her household to get a reading. It was never, it was never necessary. And it just prolongs this weirdness for Adam that is unfair. And I'm totally, I would have been totally fine with Adam having a crush on her. Like I was as fine with that, particularly because it then paints the picture that we don't know where Adam's going to end up, what his sexuality is. I'm, I am completely fine with that. That I wouldn't have been bothered by. I totally would have been okay with that. But this whole him and blue kind of doing this pseudo relationship thing. And by the second book, she already knows it isn't going to happen. And we have to spend an entire book of her just thinking about that. She does nothing else. Plot-wise, she does nothing else but think about Gansey. True. But her role in this book is also pretty small. Like, we don't spend a ton of chapters on this where she's agonizing over it. It is in, like, all of her chapters, yes. But there's the Gray Man, there's Adam, and there's Ronan who have, like, the most, in terms of quantity, uh, most amount of time dedicated to them at the very least because yes if it was mostly from blue's perspective and she spent the entire time realizing she didn't like adam and that she was inevitably falling for gansey that would have been very boring <laughs> like i mean this book wasn't my favorite anyway mostly because kavinsky that stuff is what bothered me the most mm-hmm. just because again ridiculous character ridiculous everything but he's a dreamer, so dream proportions, everything is going to be bigger. But yeah. See, I enjoy it because we get more of the Ronan and the Adam and the Gray Man and less of the Blue, thank goodness. And less of Gansey. Again, thank goodness. We do get more flaws about Gansey this time around. He's not just this like weird, perfect, rich thing. But I still don't like him. I don't like how he treats Adam. I don't particularly like how he treats Ronan. I don't get it. Because he likes his friends and he cares about them. I don't understand what you mean. You don't like how he treats Ronan when he continues to stick by him, even though Ronan has changed a lot since his father died and become volatile and basically like completely, I don't know the word for it, um, just like completely hostile to everyone. He still sticks with him. He's very loyal. So I don't know. Which is, is like the only good thing about Gansey is he is loyal, but sometimes it feels like his loyalty has a cost to it. He he has a picture of how things should be and how he wants things to be. And he does expect Ronan and Adam to adhere to that. And that's where the conflict comes in for all of them is that when they don't adhere to that, which is great because that gives us plot and intrigue and interest and stuff. But it just makes me not like him as a character in terms of, you know, he, he wants Adam to not be angry and to just accept what he wants to help him. I mean, the whole car thing... 
That was weird and stupid. Well, he wants to help his friends. And like, okay, so maybe Adam doesn't want his help. It's not that he's trying to force Adam to be a different person. And with Ronan, it's even mentioned like in his chapters that he misses the Ronan that there used to be before his father got murdered, but he understands that this Ronan is different and this is just how Ronan is now. And it's like, that's just, he's not trying to change him back into the previous Ronan. He was pretty pissed when Ronan took his car and crashed it, which I definitely understand. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how he could just accept a dream replica because if someone did that to my car and then was like, Hey, I dreamed of a replica. It'd be like, that's not the same car though. I don't care if it looks the same. I don't care if it looks identical. That is not physically the same car. It was before. Amberly, I dare I you to problem. Sarah's car. No, Sarah won't even let me drive her car. <laughs> She's not yeah, stupid. You can't dream of a replica. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. I don't even think I've sat in the driver's seat of Sarah's car. <sighs> Your like, car is pretty. The gas pedals. <laughs> wow! Wow! How dare you bring height into this? I can't control that. <laughs> but I probably couldn't. At least not where you have it set. I would not be able to reach it. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, you want to drive this time, Sarah? Okay, fine. You drive my car. I've never driven your car. Yeah, you have. I've never driven a Mini Cooper or the Fiat. Oh, no, maybe. No, you've driven the Fiat when we would go down to Disneyland and stuff. Are you sure I didn't just drive my car? There were a couple of times you drove my car. Not often, but it would happen. Mostly because you weren't sure about whether or not you would want to drive. And you would rather help drive my car than risk me driving your car. Hmm. That does sound like it makes sense. Sounds like Sarah. I just don't but know. I definitely that. have never driven a Mini Cooper. Yeah, my current car, we we just hadn't done those kinds of trips where that would be warranted. Um, pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm I wouldn't be phased by you driving my car. I'm not phased by you driving my car. Well, as yours is your precious being that would cause you to commit mass murder if someone destroyed it. Oh God, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> so funny because i'm sitting here and i'm i can see you both and and I, as you're talking about this this car wreckage in this book i could see you both knowing that you're both thinking about sarah's car and <laughs> and and what would happen if you wrecked sarah's car and uh, oh the fallout would be horrible you would have to yeah. hide me i would have to go into like <laughs> witness oh, protection witness protection <laughs> and like on an, in another country <laughs> under an assumed name i'd have to have like get like reconstructive surgery so she wouldn't be able to spot my face like but i could see this playing off across both of your faces as i'm sitting here it was hilarious <laughs> um meanwhile anyway. if sarah wrecked my car i'd be like fuck how am i gonna pay for that <laughs> and i would I mean, say calm insurance. down we have insurance it's yeah. all good but yeah that, that those are our reactions that's the difference between i and sarah when it comes to cars sarah would kill me so in, in the grand Fully. scheme you have a nice little mini cooper yeah sarah does not have a nice little mini cooper no she has a dodge challenger or charger yeah challenger Challenger, yes the nice one but your car is beautiful i love your car anyway (laughs) back on topic back on topic so i don't going back to you i don't know i just gansey is loyal without a doubt i still like he feel like he has expectations on his friends which 
let's be real. Everyone has expectations on their, well, almost everyone. I don't actually know that I have expectations for you, Sarah. I think my expectations are not to have expectations, but (laughs) (laughs) most people have expectations about their friendships and how they play out. I fear sometimes with Gamzee that there is a level of entitlement that he just assumes because he's Gamzee that they will fit his expectations, which is why he can be loyal because his expectation is that they will fit his, you know, he recognizes the fact that Ronan is going to toe the line and have problems and is likely going to go talk to Kavinsky and all that kind of stuff. But he expects that eventually Ronan will side with him and realize that Kavinsky is a problem and will stick it out with them. He recognizes the fact that Adam came from a horrible life and doesn't want to do things for, or doesn't want people doing things for him. But he still, in the moment when his parents say, can we do this for him? Instead of saying, no, that's not Adam. We can't do that. He goes, uh, that might work. Well, if like my parents were trying to do something that I know you would not do, Sarah, that would be completely against your you, Eunice, I would not go, oh, we can try and trick her. I'd say, no, that's not, that's not Sarah. We're not doing that. So I think that's where my issue comes with him and how he treats them is even in his loyalty, his loyalty is conditional on the fact that he expects his way. I guess I can see it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't really have a clear argument against it. I just feel like we see Gancy a little differently. Which is fair. We're allowed to do that. We are two different people. (laughs) (laughs) But there's something I was going to say, and I lost it. So darn it. In all of my tirade. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot. Oh, I mean, I I can try and trigger it for you, but we don't need to relive that. I did. Okay. So because I have, of course, again, my handy dandy little notebook and... I didn't catch this the first time I read it, but in rereading it, I noticed the weird point where one of the characters, or Adam is observing Persephone. Is it Adam? It can't be Adam. There was some mention about Persephone that makes me think about Ronan's orphaned girl dream. Like there was a comparison made between the two. It could have been Adam. He was with Persephone when he was uh, fixing the ley line. I didn't think he had seen the orphan girl yet though. Oh, that's true. I don't think he's seen her at all. So maybe it's Ronan's the only one who has seen her. I know. I, I can't remember the context. And unfortunately, my book has way too many of the darts in it for me to be able to be like <laughs> on this page, like last time. Um, but I did. And I can't I don't remember the next two books enough to know whether or not it actually plays out as anything significant. But I did find it interesting that Persephone was described in the same way that the orphan girl is described or even someone made a comparison between the two and we get that kind of weird in this book there's been that there's that ongoing theme that time is circular and doesn't necessarily adhere to a linear line that made me kind of like and this could just be a total headcanon that part of me wants to believe that persephone is the orphaned girl i don't think she's been discussed as having hooves though that's true i had forgotten that the orphan girl had hooves but we don't necessarily not describe Persephone's feet at any point. That is true. <laughs> so in my head canon, it is not ruled out. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to think of what else we can discuss. I'm still trying to think of what I was trying to say before. It's still gone. Was it about Ronan? No, I think it was about Gancy or Adam or... You guys haven't again. mentioned this chainsaw character yet. Oh, the, the raven? The raven? Yeah. So she's in the book. She, she's with not really actually i mean she's a kind of in it but she's mentioned she's just a bird she just hangs out with Ann, or with ronan so there was a major fantastic ending line 
in the last book and then that character doesn't even function or live in this book at all she's like a the important thing is that he can take things out of his dreams not so much that he took that specific creature out of his dreams you seem so disappointed, like you wanted a uh, chance to do something more. I wanted something to happen with this freaking raven named Chainsaw. She's just like his familiar. She's just, she's a raven that hangs out with him. She's pretty cool. Wouldn't yeah. want anything bad to happen to her. Oh, I'd murder someone if they killed now Chainsaw. Now that you've said that, it's it's inevitable. Well, we've already like, read the books. <laughs> oh, okay. Isn't it, is it inevitable? Although, his series is ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. The next book is Mr. Impossible, I believe. Yeah, I think that's when you sent me the link. I mean, and nobody I would have to... thought the snowy owl would have died at the, by the end of Harry Potter. Why did you go there? Poor <laughs> Hedwig. seems kind of an obvious parallel. No. <laughs> don't even put that thought out there. I don't, I actually don't know if, because uh, we're not going to discuss those books, um, Ronan series. I don't, I can't remember if Chainsaw's significantly in them and there's only been one book so far. She's not dead at the very least. Yeah, she's not dead. She's just, She's in existence, an extension of. So this author seems to throw a lot of stuff out there that doesn't really sit anywhere in the. At least that's my it's perception. Just, from I mean, it's kind of talk. like it helps build out her world, but it's not like they don't have significant storylines of their own necessarily. Yeah, it it there are definitely potentials for red herrings, and then there's just a lot of little details. Like I didn't process the whole weird circular. I mean, I knew there. obviously I knew there was circular time because the freaking 500 year old tire, but not the potential importance of circular time as she ex- keeps hinting at in this book, which really seems like it should have been something even more significant than I can recall it being. But again, I can't remember the last two books. I think something really bad happens to the forest. Yeah. Which I love the forest. And I remember how the whole Glendower thing gets resolved. But yeah, otherwise, individual character arcs, not as sure how they get tied up. See, I think I probably have a better idea of where the the characters are and less idea of like the Glendower thing. I remember you were disappointed by it. <laughs> and I was more like, you know, this makes sense. I like this. This, this doesn't speak to your guys' personalities at all. <laughs> <laughs> It very much does because yeah, my focus is like the individual characters and their changes and stuff. And Sarah's like, I want this plot to make sense. Which is weird because the first book is not so much plot driven as it is character driven. And yet you hate it. Oh, I do. I need a good plot to get me going. Like this one, I loved the plot. It wasn't, and there was still strong character development. It was a nice balance because there was this underlying plot that at least explained why character development and changes were being driven forward, but it wasn't necessarily the primary focus. I think the only thing plot-wise that disappoints me, and again, this is prefaced with, I don't remember the last two books, is the gray man's brother. Oh, I love it. I love it. He's just like, my brother is chasing me. My brother's going to fucking kill me because he's a sociopath, psychopath, whichever one. And then like they finally meet up and the gray man just like fucking kills him before he even gets a chance to do anything because he's not messing around. He doesn't want to leave Henrietta. He's done with being tormented. He just kills him. Love it. Nothing drawn out. Just 
straight up shoots him twice and drives away. Beautiful. So you can go back and be with Blue's mom who's disappeared. Yeah. Well, he didn't know she disappeared at that point. No, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that just seemed weird, though, it, on some level. Like, the, the brother didn't have to, sh- like, I get that the brother had to show up because he was set up as, like, this big bad problem and counterpoint to the gray man. But did he really have to show up and be killed? There, there are times when because otherwise she would have had to. It's all good. There are times where she she makes the choice to have characters act and do certain things, and it's such the extreme that I'm not sure why it's necessary to go that extreme. I just like that she doesn't have to like resolve everything with a massive, over the top showdown, which is so common in like YA books. It's like the whole book is building up to these sometimes multiple giant showdowns, big flashy events. And I just like that in these books, there's other things going on, but the characters can resolve them. There's, again, yes, straight up murdering the brother is a little extreme, but at the same time, it's pretty clear that that's necessary. Otherwise, like the whole third book would be if she had the gray man in there, he'd still be worrying about his brother or his brother would still be tormenting him. And she really doesn't need that anymore for her plot. So it's just, it's like, everything going on Mora and that is just the push that the gray man needed to finally face that demon and just get rid of it once and for all I don't know I like the simplicity of it sometimes yeah I just I just I'm not sure about it sometimes (laughs) I try to be and let and I do I really do like this book better than the last one and part of that is probably the ratio of plot to Gansey unequivocally (laughs) but that was that one was a little weird for me However, I do I I do adore the gray man without a doubt. Oh, I did appreciate the the one blue moment that I did like in this book is when she told Adam off. Oh yeah, that was a good that was a good little uh showdown there, face off, whatever. That was fantastic. It probably so far one of my favorite blue moments because it does remind us that blue is her own woman. She has been raised to be her own woman. And she is not going to let his perception of what he is owed stop her from being who she is. So in this case, I think it was, he was, he wanted to keep, she finally confesses that she, if she kills her true love, he'll die. And then she confesses, I don't, that it's not Adam. And so then Adam kind of wants a kiss just to know like what he's missing out on. And she still says, no, I don't want to kiss you. And he tries to accuse her of, I think it's like being a feminist or something like that. And she just tells him, no, she is her own person. She has the right to say, I don't want to be kissed. And he has to respect that. Yeah. I mean, again, because I was not digging Adam at all, this book, like anyone who puts him in his place was like, yep. But yeah, that was, that was a good, just in general, a good argument that played out. Yes, I, I did appreciate that. I was very proud of her. I, and um, okay, so I can appreciate it because as a teen girl, I was definitely that teen that when boys tried to put me into a position I did not want to be in, I flat out told them no and to suck it. <laughs> <laughs> that they could take care of themselves. I would not be doing anything for them that I did not want to do. Typically kissing because I was, you know, not like promiscuous teen but (laughs) my mother is now looking at me weird (laughs) um i could appreciate having a female character who did not have to hum and haw about whether or not the fact she was going to kiss him or not she unequivocally did not want to she did not second guess herself she did not back down 
I loved it. Yeah. Sounds like a good conversation on consent. Good. It was, it was a very good conversation on consent. Murphy. I hear kitty cat. That's funny. Cause I have noise canceling headphones. I couldn't hear him. There's Murphy. <laughs> he he came crazy. racing in with a meow. <laughs> I also very much enjoyed the fact like unequivocally Ronan is attracted to Adam, but does absolutely nothing about it. He just admires him, is interested in him, isn't even like, should I, shouldn't I? It's just like sheer Adam appreciation. And it's why I can still continue to like Adam in this book is because seeing him from Ronan's eyes in this was delightful. It was it was nice. I would even say that Ronan speaks or thinks of Adam better than he does Gansey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no argument there. Of course, Ronan tries to help Adam too, but you don't chew him out for it like you do Gansey. How did he try to help Adam out? He paid his tuition. He did. And, and yes. And then, Brad, and then wrote, and then Adam got mad at Gansey because he thought that Gansey was the one helping him. Okay. But, and this is, this is where the difference is. Adam is an asshole. Adam is an asshole. But the difference of approach is Gansey just assumed because he was better off, he should help Adam. Ronan helped Adam is because he likes Adam. And he knew Adam needed help. Yes, but there was, it wasn't just... And he knew Adam wouldn't accept that help unless he tricked him by saying, oh, hey, the rent is adjusted, so you pay less, which is also equivalent to the increase in tuition, just coincidentally. Which, yes, bad Ronin, but it was more like (laughs) tricky Ronin. But I think the context of what it was being done is what makes it different for me. It still wasn't great. I I don't appreciate the fact that Ronin had to trick Adam. Yeah. the orange homeless and without a school, just like he wanted. God, why do his friends keep helping him? He should just suffer. Oh well. <laughs> so vicious to Adam. <laughs> well, you're kind of also, vicious to Gansey. So, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I remember now what I was gonna say. And it's the fact that Adam seems to think that getting into college on his own is going to solve all his problems. Like, why does he think that that is going to help? Why is a college degree going to suddenly make him like rich and well off like all the other students? Because we were all foolish back in 2013 and still (laughs) believed college might do something for us. It's like it's the opportunities, the opportunities that Gansey sometimes offers him does not necessarily force him that he should be taking advantage of if he really wants to get ahead. But no, he wants to do it on his own, which means going to college, probably getting into debt, getting a degree doing nothing with it so the way i see it is yes i think like the house party or not the house party that's like not the right description the political party that they go to where adam is not trying to network up the wazoo is definitely would present him with more opportunities than say going to college however i think the college is still him relying on a narrative that he as an entire child his entire childhood believed which is the only way he could escape his family was to get educated and do well so he's still clinging to that because it was his his dream his dream for escaping for so long that that's not something that you could just suddenly be like well nope that didn't work i'm giving that up you still want something like that to work out because you want to believe that you are owed that chance. And so I think he's still clinging to the hope of college because he's 
feels he's owed that chance because he's been struggling to not be his father this entire time. And even when in this book, he's a bit more violent. He never, he thinks about it. He almost does, but he doesn't ever hit anyone. He doesn't ever cause physical harm to anyone. He's just angry. And you can't fault someone for having that level of anger when their life is that derailed. Or you can be, or Sarah can. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't think it's okay to lash out all at all his friends who just care about him but i mean it, it does make sense i guess that he is doing it because he is angry and he's just angry doesn't really seem like he knows what he wants to do he's just so angry i don't know i don't like him <laughs> I, I get that and that's fair I, I i definitely can see where he is a a like you either like him or you don't and there isn't too much in between. I think Gansey's the same way, but like for the opposite extreme, you either like him or you don't. And there's just no, but it's fine. We can agree. We both like Ronan. <laughs> and I do. The gray man. And the gray man. And I do wish there was more Noah in this or that they had just had Noah disappear at the end of the last book. Cause the only really significant thing is the whole blue kiss thing. And that's it. And that makes me sad. Cause I liked Noah. Noah. <laughs> Noah's personality was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, Noah really is, he only exists to kind of show the um, the issues with the ley line, with how mm-hmm. he fades in and out. Mm-hmm. Just like the ley line, struggling. But yeah, he's he's very much, like, I feel like in this book, they're all sort of main characters. They all have significant storylines, except Noah. Noah is definitely secondary. I guess, like, Mora would be secondary as well, but... She still has more of a story. Yeah, she does. And it's clear it'll continue, like it'll develop further in upcoming books. Noah, his arc existed in the first book, and now he's really just kind of a hanger on. Um, I was going to say dead on arrival, and I'm like, but he is dead. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know what happens to Noah, honestly, in the next books, because it's like, I don't even remember him coming up in the new series. So... Uh, yeah, but the new series is only Ronan. That's true. There's no real reason for Noah to even pop up. I don't I don't know if they're even in Henrietta still at that point. They're not. Noah's pretty tied to the ley line, so. Yeah, no, no. The, the new series, we, we just get Ronan. Uh, there's indications with Adam and conversations with Adam, but Adam isn't a factor. Nor are Gansey or Blue or Blue's family or Noah. They don't, they don't come back up, at least not in the first book. So, yeah. Kavinsky, um, there was something that came up in this second reread that I hadn't necessarily noticed the first time. I think they mentioned his father. And it it was implied that he killed him and replaced him with a dream, right? Or was I imagining that? And Prokopenko, we know, is definitely a dream because he fell asleep. But did he ever... Because he called him a forgery. So does that mean he he just forged a human... like? He created a new human in the way that Ronan's mom was created, or was Prokopenko one of his victims who then got replaced with a copy is one of the things I kind of was wondering when I finished the book the second time. So the implication that I got from it was that he did replace them because not once does Ronan refer to any of his or his father's people as forgeries and there's a limitation on 
like the number of them that they do while it's kind of complied that anyone who didn't do what Kavinsky was hoping for he just replaced them so I do Mm. think he potentially replaced his father I do think well he obviously replaced Propopenko did I say that right Propopenko Pro, yeah that guy um his buddy Prokopenko yeah I forget how many P's and K's there are yeah. yeah, he he did replace his buddy. So I think the implication is, again, to draw that line of the difference between the two of them, which is that Ronan does actually value life and other people's autonomy. I mean, that's that's why he wants to help his mom is he, he wants to make her her again, not just an entity that his father created. And so I think the, the implication is that's where the two of them... <laughs> The two of them draw the line is that they uh, one's willing to just replace people and doesn't see people as having any value while as Ronan definitely does value the people in his life. Mm-hmm. Although maybe replacing one or two of them wouldn't be horrible. I'm not sure you'd see the difference in Gansey. <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to mention that. <laughs> I know, which is why I had to. But yeah, no, I, I think that's kind of, again, giving us a chance to see the differences and to see value in who Ronan is. Because, yeah, I, there, there's an example of it, but we haven't gotten to that example yet. I do remember that. And I think that's in the next book and that we can discuss that further in terms of replacing people versus not replacing people and how they are different. Blue, Lily, Lily, Blue. Yeah, I really don't remember what happened in the penultimate book. I, so I this will be a fun, fun rediscovery, perhaps. And see, this is why this is not one of my, like... Uh, most favorite series not even like a top 10 top 20 i don't even know they would make the top 20 because while i can remember the characters i cannot remember the story and that tells me it's not a great story there are other stories where maybe i can't remember everything that happened in a story but i can still tell you what we read as you know because you very regularly ask me what happened in a book and i describe it to you and they're like oh yeah that one this one i would not be able to describe the the plot of the entire series at all yes and i think i do i do like this series because of how she does her characters much more so than the actual plot it is interesting the whole mostly the dream stuff pulling things from dreams Mm -hmm. um because that's not really a concept that i've come across before in fantasy or, or ya books and so my issue with a lot of ya books is that the storylines don't stand out even remotely. So why I have to ask you is because it immediately just blurs together into this slurry of just protagonists finding their ability and becoming powerful and then fighting a big bad and then, oh, yay, victory. And yet you love enemy uh, this, to lovers. <laughs> which, honestly, you don't find enough of. I, I try... Oh, I feel like it's very popular right now and everything I'm reading is enemy to lovers. It feels like... It's too bad you're reading a bunch of porn. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. You're the one who said one third of Blood and Ashes is is unreadable to me. To you. (laughs) To you. It's unreadable to you. That's not equal like porn. Yeah, I know. To me. (laughs) It equals like spice and, and smut, but I would not like call it porn. <laughs> I would call smut porn. It's talking about dicks and vaginas and fluids and moaning and thrusting and 
tongues. <laughs> I don't know. That was like escalating and like the epitome of your escalation is tongues. I'm sorry. Saliva is disgusting. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> I think it's just a bodily fluid and such is life. <laughs> and hey, I, yeah. <laughs> not getting into what i'm reading right now because we're not actually discussing that so that doesn't do us any good i'm always just trying to be realistic with you but you know that that's where people favor enemies to love her is in that genre that you do not wish to read i just want enemies to love her with strong plot and like just fade to black anytime there's going to be a sex scene so that i don't have to go through the effort of skipping a bunch of pages you know is that too much to ask for yes i want I want them to develop the characters so that they go from enemies to lovers and not just are horny for each other all the time. There's children right outside the window. I hope they can't hear me. But yeah, my point being is you that like the, even yeah, I just I like her characters. Shush. And yes, even though the plot isn't super me- memorable, at least not all of it. Again, it is just a smidge more unique than a lot of the other books that are being churned out. In my opinion, you know, that I find. See, to me, this feels like second class King Arthur. Like, we're not quite to the grandiose King Arthur mythology. You know, why this, this, this king sort of thing. And instead, I just, I keep asking why Glendower? And I didn't even think it was a real person until last time when you looked up when he died. So I kind of wished that she, if if she was going to use a real Welsh king, give us more of an exp- explanation as to why that king. Why did that matter? We didn't get any of that in this. And so it, it feels, it makes everything flat because it's so, which I love the character development. The characters are definitely they're changing they're evolving there's plot or they're memorable i will always remember these characters but in terms of well, like not gansey oh she'll no, always remember gansey because i'm not a huge fan of gansey uh, <laughs> i'm probably going to hear that name for the rest of my life i'm really looking forward to that just <laughs> randomly she'll come out of a room damn gansey and i'll be like yes yes amber damn gansey it's <laughs> gansey <laughs> Oh, dear Lord, please let me not continue to have to live here for the rest of my life. I was going to say, <laughs> will you be coming out of your room in 20 years in the same household? Okay, she called me up on the phone. <laughs> damn Gansy. No, 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 it'll just be text messages. No context, just damn Gansy. <laughs> oh, too funny. Sorry. <laughs> I may have been dwelling on my life a little bit too much on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know what point I was trying to make. I'm just horrified at the idea of still living at home in 20 years. Uh, or longer. People are going to be listening to this and be like, wait, she's in her 30s, right? And I'm just, yeah. Yes. Early, early 30s. Pandemic. Bad economy. <laughs> Getting a master's degree. High, high housing prices. <laughs> Which is in a state you can't afford to live in. Which is why you're like, how dare Adam want to still go to college? And I'm sitting here going, 
Yeah, how dare Adam keep trying. <laughs> trying to get that education in hopes that, you know, maybe you'll just climb a little further out. I mean, is he... Does he think he's going to get a full ride scholarship? He is optimistic. No, he, works... he wants to go to a good one. No, I think... I think, like myself, oh, he... he will rely on, on financial aid and working jobs and, you know, just trying yes, to... He's working three jobs now and he could barely afford a high school. Private a high school, high yes. high-end private high school. He probably could afford college. Um, and he might be able to get a better job when he's, you know, over the age of 18 and most people will hire him. Yeah, and he'll just be $500,000 in debt, so good luck. What school did you go to that you're $500,000 in debt? I was exaggerating. Thank you very much. Hyperbole. But if he did want to go to a very good college, even with scholarships, I mean, he's going to be probably a couple hundred thousand. A hundred thousand at the very least. Well, I guess, I yeah, because he can't rely on his parents. Oh, gosh. I wonder how that would go down because nowadays you have to have your like parents' income when you're on a bachelor's program. They won't let you just like use your own income. Can you imagine him having to go up to his family be at parents and be like, listen, I ran away, but uh, I kind of need your financial information so I could get financial aid. Actually, this happens to kids all the time, but we won't get into the, 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 the bad aspects of financing schools in <laughs> the United States of America. I don't think this is that kind of podcast. <laughs> not. We've gone down the weirdest rabbit hole. Okay, I'm so I've got to tell Adam you guys. Unrealistic expectations. The yeah. weirdness of not having read these books in any way, shape, or form, and that fact that we can discuss ley lines and reviving Welsh kings and how is he going to pay for college. <laughs> And then you start bringing up financial aid. <laughs> the, the, the juxtaposition between reality and fantasy is just weird. Just weird. I mean, most people go on full-on fantasy. They don't place it in Virginia. And how do these people function in the real world? I mean, do they actually do anything in the real world? Do they go to town and have an ice cream? I mean... Or pizza, yeah, pizza where blue works yeah blue works at the pizza place but she but she also psychic. works as a dog walker she's not no. psychic she also works as a dog walker she just goes to the public school however yes there is a certain level of they're rich therefore we do not have to discuss this i mean like they they regularly rent helicopters to look at things because gansey has the money to rent a hel- his no. sister has a helicopter license they've done it at least two times in two books that's more than most people do yeah, in any I books do <laughs> I always assume they own the helicopter, not that they're renting it. <laughs> that makes it better. <laughs> well, to be fair, Gansey is the third in line. Or, you know, he's Gansey the third. His family is like politicians and such. So he is just very rich. Ronan's father just dreamed shit up and made money off of it. And then there's Adam, who is very poor. And blue, so, who's poor. But yeah. no, th- yeah, there is a certain level of uh, this hasn't quite gone to urban fantasy where you are taking the fantasy and forcing it into the urban setting and making it work. Um, but it's not high fantasy either. So, yes, there is a certain level where you just go, oh, they're rich boys and continue on. Like they rent a boat at one point and Gansey bought sonar equipment, bought it, bought sonar equipment it was only like 
$6,500. God, what I could do with $6,500 would not be sonar equipment. I mean, that's a drop in the bucket for him, so. But that's the point, is, is there's a certain level of it does just rely on them having the money instead of, like... These are not normal teenagers. These are not teenagers that you would find walking down the street. Well, no. Duh. One of them is obsessed with a Welsh king. So I was obsessed with all kinds of things as a teenager that would have like made being obsessed with a Welsh king seem simple. I had a vivid imagination. Fantasy is just in the background. It's very down to earth. You don't have werewolves running around at night and fairies in the trees. And all that other stuff that comes with urban fantasy. Yeah, urban fantasy is not my biggest favorite. Although I do like the Iron Druid series. That was a pretty good series. It maybe went on for a little bit too long, but it was pretty good. Oh, there's more books set in that universe that I haven't read yet. (laughs) She says happily. Happily. (laughs) Different characters, same universe. I I would I tried to read that one. I feel like that character has been played out now. Yeah, yeah. No, not that character. Different characters. That's a good urban fantasy setting. This one is not... This is is not urban fantasy, but it is urban fantasy, but it's young adult. Yeah, it... it, It's... It's different. I don't know what that sound was, but I'm scared. Was it Ronan? No, it sounded like a little gremlin growl. Yeah, or someone like sucking something up through a straw. (laughs) It might have been my cat. (laughs) <laughs> okay like so i said i have noise canceling here headphones on. i can't hear anything that's going on in my room for context i don't think i can i can put that out so for context the weird like sound was a uh, possibly murphy. a cat not some weird demon in one of our microphones it was murphy murphy the cat it'd be funny if that doesn't show up on the recording so you just have this yeah. random explanation for except that i can that trim it out here. But you just said you can't. No, no. The the explanation I can trim out. (laughs) (laughs) The noise I think happened while someone was talking about something important. So I can't trim out the growl. Yeah, he had just stood up at that moment. He was laid on his back on my on my lap. And so he had pulled himself up. So it was probably him. But it's kind of weird because I can't hear what's going on in my own room. But you guys react to it. I am curious to see how long this episode's actually going to be because we can't be like 15 minutes. A lot of tangents. <sighs> okay, so let's kind of start into it. What do you rate this book, Sarah? Give it like a four, 3.75, probably four. It's got a lot of Ronin to redeem the amount of Kavinsky in there and the Adam stuff. Yeah, I'd say four, just because Gray Man's in there. Okay, so to clarify, four because of Ronan and Gray Man. Yeah, because Ronan like cancels out the Kavinsky stuff and the Gray Man cancels out the Adam garbage. So, okay. Four. I give it a four, too. This is probably the highest rating I'm going to give any of these books. And so it, it yeah. is. it is a four for me. I like the fact that we have a plot. I like Ronan. As if if these books had plot in the first book, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> if, if these books had been mainly about Ronan, I probably would have liked all of them a lot more. But this is probably my favorite one. I like the potential that it sets up for the future ones. I cannot wait to see Ronan's affections for Adam to play out. I'm glad we are done with they will, they won't be in terms of Adam getting got punched by blue because she's actually into Gansey. We can move past that. 
It doesn't get a five because, uh, eh. and not enough. Why not a 4.5? Not enough Noah and too much (laughs) Gansey. Okay. And then I don't think you had any books that you felt were similar to this that you could recommend because part of it is you, you feel this is pretty unique. Yeah. Okay. I do have a couple. I have like three recommendations for anyone who's looking for kind of similar books. So first off, if you really like the kind of what's hinted at here, I don't think it's a huge thing, but um, Ronin's sexuality, the Kaminsky thing, just kind of sexuality in general and and paired with magic, then I recommend The Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. It's very great. It's got really good like discussion about self-identity and identification and kind of coming to terms with oneself while still having magic. And then I also, just in terms of like the writing style combined with magic, I would kind of recommend any of Holly Black's young adult books, particularly The Cruel Prince. While that's very much more fae oriented, it still has that kind of weird urban real world flavor to it though maybe not as predominant in here it definitely settles farther into the fantasy section of the world than that and then i've not read it but i've heard modern fairy tales for other series modern fairy tales does that kind of similar kind of magic real world juxtaposition and then if you just like like more of something grittier with the the teen struggles with magic fairy tales sort of thing than the hazelwood by melissa albert it's a little bit of a like weirder read like this one is but it's kind of cool takes on almost it's not the brothers grim but hinterland uh, tales is what it focuses on so that would be my three recommendations if you want things similar to this particularly in the young adult uh, areas and then sarah do you feel like this stuck to the age range yeah sure Okay. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think it maybe is heading a, a little bit higher than 14, but not too much that it, they couldn't be reading it. It's definitely kind of introducing new concepts and getting them to think outside of their box. And obviously we as adults enjoy it on different levels from each other, not different levels than teenagers, because that would be creepy. For me and Sarah enjoy different aspects of it. Is there anything else we want to discuss? No. Can't think of anything. Okay. So then next time you have previously mentioned it, the next book that we'll be discussing in two weeks is Blue Lily Lily Blue. Did I get that correct? Great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I can't see hard to read in my bookshop from this far away, but yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that's the next one. And we so we have two more. We have that one and then we have the Raven King. And then Uh, Just to let everyone know, our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile. Intro and outro music? Oh, sorry. Yes, Sarah, we have intro and outro music. It's really cool. We have intro and outro music. I should do that part again. (laughs) (laughs) My apologies. I'll be great. Okay. Let me try that again. Our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Bookpile Manter on iTunes or whichever platform you listen to your podcast. Specifically, we will be going through a Bean Podbean podcast. So we do have a direct page and then we will be available on your general platforms through that. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. You didn't, you didn't want to spell it all out. 